Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Okay, thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I want to thank the sponsor of today's show, who happens to be my daughter, Erica McDonald Photography. So if you are in the Central Texas area and need um, any type of photography, she specializes in little babies. Um, She is the baby whisperer. She Mm -hmm. does these, she twists and turns these newborns like they're clay. It's amazing. Um, Senior pictures, um, maternity pictures, all the things. Look up Erica McDonald Photography um, on on the intraweb, and you can find her. She's an amazing photographer, and I am a little bit biased. So thank you, Erica, for for sponsoring. (laughs) So today, I have Miss Casey Moore with me, Mm -hmm. and um, I met Casey through, we have a mutual friend, uh, Deanna, Deanna, mm -hmm, and then we visited, uh, you you and your husband have a church Mm -hmm. that you you run here in Central Texas, Top Hand. Yeah. Uh, Cowboy, Cowboy Church, Church. uh huh, right. and it's in. Is it le- is it technically Valley Mills? That it's, it's. I mean, it's in Valley Mills. I guess address. Okay, it's, it's on the Waco side of. Valley I got Mills, it. Yeah. Okay, so it's not that it's not that far out at all, right. and and it's a it's a lovely it's lovely like church. Minutes from Waco, I think, off Highway Six. You know what? What just impressed the hound out of me with that church is this the community and how you hold up. You know, especially yeah. I witnessed that with Deanna with her yes. illness and yes. stuff like that. So, but I did learn that you were in recovery, yes. and so you know it's so funny because I, I live this life so out loud, and and but still when you when you hear someone that's in recovery and, and it's I have one of those non-recovery reactions it's like no mm-hmm. way not no, her well, are you kidding me She's you know it, yeah it, right <laughs> and it's so funny it just goes to show you know so so I'm thank you for yes. being here and so Happy um basically on the show we just talk about what it was like what happened and what you're like now you know um I was asked early on who's who's your audience you know and I thought golly that was a tough question and, and then I thought no it's not it's it's me before I got sober Mm -hmm. just to extend that 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 hand of help you know or or hope rather um to the person who's still suffering Mm -hmm. so I want to hear all the things things. tell me tell me who is Casey Moore what what happened well um I guess going way back probably is the is the way to start is man I was raised by amazing parents really really good home life um Strong believers, um, just just good good people, mm-hmm. really good people. But for some reason, my whole life, even when I, I remember even being really young, um, I just had a lot of self doubt that turned into kind of basically almost like self hate. Like I mm. just, I just nothing about myself was good enough in my mind. 
Were you an only child? Nope. I had older brother and sister that were eight and nine years older than me. Oh, wow. So, and then me. So okay. there was a big gap. Yeah. And, um, you know, I look back at my school age and high school and junior high and I had a great life. I was in sports and had lots of friends and went to a big school in the Dallas area, mm-hmm. went to North Mesquite High School and um, went to church, was in a big church and active. And But I guess I always just... I don't know. I just had this thing in me all the time that just felt like I wasn't good enough, and and it and it really it really damaged a lot of my life. It it may. It, I mean, I even found myself almost like lying and fabricating stories and just trying to get attention. Embellish. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, but I don't know why my parents were always affirming and loving, and um, you know, I mean, I remember my mom just holding me in front of the mirror and like, what do you see? Like, what is so awful that you see? Like, I don't, I don't see what you see, you know? And I'm like, well, you're my mom. That had to be really hard for her. Yeah, it really was because they were, like I said, they were great people and they did so much for us growing up and it was, it was painful for them. And so I always had that kind of thing. I went off to college and, um, I got pregnant in college and that was a pretty big blow um, my plan was to give him up for adoption. And that was my plan all the way through my pregnancy. And after he was born, I just decided I couldn't do it. I was 20 years old and I was like, I need to, I want to do this, you know? And so everything changed, you know, for me at that point, because mm. I had a baby, but I still had that failure kind of feeling. Sure. Um, you know, my parents, we were very active in church, but I was a deacon. My mom taught Sunday school. We went to a big church. It was back then. I mean, it's, Unfortunately, it's not as scandalous now when that happens. But back then, it was a little bit more. That was in the early 90s. Now, where did you, were you, did you go to school nearby where you lived? Um, you so, mean when I went to college? Uh, I went yeah, to, went to, uh, I went to Howard Payne University. Okay. So, I came home. Okay, got home, it. Yeah. So, anyway, I think for, for me, it just was, I don't know, maybe, um, I don't know if it was just a, it just was another letdown. Like another letdown. And although I don't look at my son as a letdown, but just the decisions and here I am, you know, letting my parents down again and, you know, not not being who they raised me to be and all that. So anyway, I started being a mom early, early on. Um, his dad uh, was not involved and never pursued that. And so, um, you know, it was just me. And so it was, it was tough. And we lived at home for a little while and then got out on my own and um, still just struggled a lot you know, just with my self-worth and stuff like that. So anyway, I met um, my husband uh, when my son was about two years old. Mm. And um, we married, um, this is my first husband, my second marriage, but my first husband, we married, um, let's see, in 98, I guess. So by the time we married, we dated a long time. My son was seven years old, I guess. So anyway, we married. He came from a good home, too. But I always just felt a lot of pressure from him. He was, um, at this point, after having a baby, I was overweight. I was very, very self-conscious of mm. my body. Uh, just just a lot. And so he was um, successful. But he was also a personal trainer, so he was very fit. And I just always felt, I mean, I'm just like, I can't even believe he married me. And, and I think it kind of, it just per- perpetuated this problem that I had. And... It, and and he was, you know, bless his heart, he wasn't 
very affirming. In fact, he was very hard on me physically. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just felt like, gosh, I really want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. What can I do? And I just felt like I kept failing at everything I would try. And so I met a girl that uh, had got, lost a lot of weight. And I was asking her, what'd you do? What were you doing? And she was like, oh, you know, just kind of working out, eating right, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, you know, and it just kept really losing. I was like, help me. What are you doing? You know, she said, well, uh, that she was doing this, she was taking this drug. It was illegal, but she was only doing it for a short period of time and then going to get off of it, but it'd be fine. It was basically like speed is what she said. And so I was like, okay. So I even went home, talked to my husband. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And so I did. Well, when I first, I was thinking a pill, Right. But um, she was like, no, you smoke it. And I'm like, okay. And so I kind of went into it a little naive. And anyway, bottom line, it was meth is what it was. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I can do this for a short period of time. Kind of get a jump start was my thought. And I know looking back, I'm like, how did you think that? Like, why? No, I get it. I, to- I totally get it. I, like, <laughs> I totally. I'm like, that's a very uh, rational, that's know, a rational right? way of thinking of it. Just a so, little, yeah. Just a jump start, maybe six weeks, <laughs> two months, I'll be good. Well, of course, by six weeks or two months, I was, you know, using it almost Full every on. day. Yeah. And, and I kept jobs through that time. Um, I, back then I was in fundraising and I kept really good jobs. And, um, but I would eventually, lose the job for one reason or another, whether it be not showing up or mm-hmm. things like that, you know, mm-hmm. the drugs that really took over. Um, but then I would just, bam, go out and get another job. And I mean, like a director of fundraising position, like big positions. I could get a job really quick. How how I could do it, I don't know, because they should call my references because they would be like, well, she quit showing up to work. And right. Blah, blah, blah. But um, so I rocked along with that for, for probably about five years, I guess. And um, at this point, I was... I guess managing it in a way, I was still going to work. I would go to work in the morning. Like I would smoke in the morning, go to work. Then I would leave at lunch and I would go to like crazy, but like I would go to um, car washes Mm -hmm. because you'd be kind of enclosed. Right. Do it. I would go like two or three car washes at lunch. (laughs) Like go because you're in, I would lived in Dallas, so there's nowhere to really hide. Right. So it's like enclosed. Yeah. 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 And I would smoke and I go back to work. And I mean, Meth, I'm not sure how you know much about that, but it's very, like, energy-driven. But at some point, you crash, you know. I mean, you can only stay awake. And I would stay awake for days at a time. And I did really well at work because I was just moving all the time. But it would always catch up with me. Mm. Always, always. So, eventually, it would just be kind of a catastrophe. But were you losing weight? Oh, yeah. I was at first, big time. Oh, wow. And um, there, ca- there came a point where I didn't anymore it just kind of stopped and I didn't really lose any more weight and anyway but I just at that point I was totally hooked on it like I mm. couldn't figure out how I could go without and it just it started taking things over my husband at the time he started using about a year after I did and so then we both were then I had my son there and you know bless his heart he was I used from the time he was eight to 16 is the time I used for about eight and a half years and um you know he knew something was going on. I ended up leaving my husband when he was, when my son was about 14 and we moved into an apartment. Actually, I didn't voluntarily leave. My parents came over when I was gone one day and my husband was there and they were like, you're going to take a drug test. He was like, no. And I, and anyway, he did. And I mean, I'm, 
I'm on the phone with him going, why would you take a drug test? You're a 40-year-old man. You tell him no. Mm-hmm. You tell him to leave the house. Mm-hmm. But he did. And, of course, he tested positive. And so they came back to me and said, you're moving out or we're taking your son. So you decide. So they did they know you were using? No, my son was really? telling them that he was. And they were just kind of blinded to me. They just thought it was all him. Oh, Carson, wow. Carson knew that I was. But he was totally covering for me. I didn't know he knew. But he had figured it out. He had figured, and he was really trying to throw my husband under the bus, like you know, trying to, like, get, trying to get. It sounds something. like he was trying to get some help yeah, and just didn't, some help, but didn't yeah, didn't want to betray you, right? Right. And so um, we moved out at that point because I didn't want him to take take him from me. So we moved out, and I stopped for about a month, I guess. But I wasn't in recovery or anything. I didn't go to any meetings mm. or anything like that. I just stopped for about a month, maybe a little longer. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you don't figure out why, yep. I mean, I'm not saying that nobody can stop without some sort of program, but it's very rare. I, yeah. I mm. mean, it's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I stopped for about a month, six weeks, and then uh, just started, started back up again. And so we were living in an apartment then. And then by the time that things got really hairy, um, I... Probably the last two years, year and a half, I just didn't work. And I would just, I don't know how I was making it. I mean, I think my parents had helped me some. And I was constantly getting eviction notices. And, you know, mm. everything was just kind of spiraling. And, and my son at this point was really suffering, you know, really suffering. And my parents were picking him up and doing stuff with him. And I was always, oh, I'm on my way, but then never come, you know, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of... A lot of lying, a lot of manipulation, mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. And then finally, I just got super, super sick. Very, very, very ill. I got pneumonia. I had um, some abscessed teeth. I had an infection in my blood. I mean, just a lot. And, I mean, I really believe, because I was a Christian. I was a believer, you know, before all this. Mm-hmm. And so I always had this pull in, in my spirit. But I was so ashamed to, I mean, I was even ashamed to pray, like, God is definitely not going to be listening to right? me because, I mean, I am, like, off the rails. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I pretty much just, I, th- I feel like God almost, like, struck me down. Like, you're, I'm going to get to you one way or another. And mm-hmm. it, I, it made me so incredibly ill that that I just couldn't, I mean, I almost died. I just couldn't function. Um, I was so very sick. So finally, I got some help. I told my mom, I said, I need help. And she was like, okay. I mean, it's like they're waiting for me to say the word. So they got me some help. They got me healthy. But it's like I slept, you know, I was for, I feel like, weeks. And I woke up, and I'm like, man, I thought I would never go another day, you know. And here I've gone a couple of weeks and haven't done it. So I felt a little slightly empowered, like, okay, I'll some do strength. that. But I didn't really um, immediately start into groups or anything like that. And my parents were trying to get some help. Like, what do we do? How do we help her? They moved us into their house, me and Carson. And um, they gave me, you know, a lot of rules. They're like, look, we're going to drug test you whenever we want to. If you ever refuse a drug test, you're out. If you ever test positive, you're out. You know, we'll keep Carson, but you're gone. And Carson, poor thing, he just, I remember him coming into the room. He was overhearing all the rules. And he was like, if y'all kick her out, I'm going with her. Oh, baby. And I was like, Just, it broke my heart. I mean, I could, and I was so broken at that time, but I remember thinking, man, I have really, I've really done it. 
on him, you know, and so it was really, really tough. And so once we got there, before I started recovery or anything, I kind of was just getting my feet back underneath me. And um, once I think Carson knew I was safe, he got really angry. Very, oh, very dear. Angry. And he was very upset with me, very, very ugly, you know, said all kinds of horrible things. And um, it was hard. And I'll kind of go back to that. But basically what happened is a guy came over to fix um, my dad's computer at the house. And somehow they started talking about recovery. I don't know how. And he was like, my daughter, you know, I had been there a very short time at that point, maybe a month. And so the guy was like, uh, "You, she's got to get into a group like she's got to get into something she cannot do this alone mm. there's no way that and, was an angel right oh, there oh i just got chills was. that we, was an angel right there had no real connection to that world mm-hmm. recovery we had not experienced that in our home well and the fact um, that your dad was willing and open to talk yeah, to a complete stranger, a complete stranger. oh man they were desperate you know that's and that, amazing that we, we've said that guy was an angel because he was just a computer guy mm. so I remember my parents sent me down and said, you're going to have to go to groups. And I was like, what? No, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Like, no, this is part of it now. You know, you've got to, you got to try this out. And there was a few NA groups. There was a ton of AA groups, more AA than NA. Um, But to me, I always, I didn't really care what group I was in because in my head, I wasn't real legalistic about, and some groups are, some groups are, if you're an alcoholic, you cannot go if you're a drug addict. To me, it's like. Guys, we're all in this together here. A spiritual malady yeah. is a spiritual malady, yeah, no matter how you together. decorate it. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I started in NA, but, um, and my parents, you know, they were like, they got a, a lot of good advice. And they were like, okay, um, this is what you need to do. She needs to get in groups. She doesn't need to have any access to money. She needs to, I mean, my parents literally drove me to meetings for the first 90 days. Like, wow. they, I need, they wouldn't even let me drive myself. They drove me and waited outside. If it was an open meeting, I think they came in maybe a couple times in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's it. They just kind of drove me, waited. And sometimes I went to maybe two meetings a day, you know, whatever. Basically, they were told recovery is her job. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's got to do that. Yep. Because if you force her right now to go get a job, I mean, she's got to get this under control first. Right. So they did. So for, you know, a, a solid probably about six or eight months, that's all I did was meetings and um no bank account no nothing no no access no no trust at all how were you feeling during that time were um, you were did you take to it or did you just think okay this is what i'm being made to do I, uh i had it went in waves i mean sometimes i was like wow i'm so grateful you know that i have parents here once i got into meetings i realized how lucky and grateful i and blessed i was because a lot of people were doing it on their own they had no support mm-hmm. i did have support so I wasn't having to try to figure out recovery and pay my bills at that point. You know, right. they kind of scooped all that up into sure. one. So I, I was really grateful, but I was also very like, my gosh, I mean, I'm 38 years old. I guess that's how I was. Yeah, 38 years old, mm-hmm. and you're treating me like a child. And I remember I'd been there for like maybe a couple months, and they wanted to drug test me, and I was like, are you kidding? I said, y'all, I have been doing everything you asked me to do, and I can't believe you don't trust me. And they're looking at me like, excuse me are you hitting me now like you have you have lied cheated stole i stole i mean everything and you've been here for two months and you you're now you're put out because yeah yeah. put out and i was like okay yeah yeah. good point (laughs) yeah okay there's that yeah i know so it was kind of a 
it went in waves. And I was frustrated at times that I was having to be there. But I also knew why. I mean, it was, I was there because of me. Right. And I had lost so much because of me. And I, and I needed to be more focused on, hey, what's going on with my, you know, with my child? Well, I started to want to be a mom to him. And he was like, "Mm mm-mm. You know, I've done my own thing for all these years. I'm 12 years old and staying out to whenever I want to stay out to. And now you want to be a mom and you want me to come home. You want me to check in. You want me to be respectful. And he was just not having it. And at that point, I was in groups. So it was helpful because I could kind of talk with others that are that are struggling with that. And they right. were like, you know, you got to let him be mad. Now, my dad was fine with him being mad, but he was not fine with him you know, standing over me and berating me while I'm in bed trying to sleep or something like that. You know, he's like, look, I know you're mad. You you have every right to be mad. You're still going to be I respectful. I can't stand in there and listen to you call your mom these names mm-hmm. and say, you, wish, you know, that she wouldn't live and, you know, stuff like that. So we did a lot of counseling, and uh, it was good. I mean, it, the counseling was good. It just, it took a long time. I think the counseling got us a jump start, but I really think he just needed to see more time you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. so it was it was a journey for Carson and I and and a real journey and I mean I'm 15 years down the road now and it's it's still a it's it's not um we don't have trouble like that anymore but it took a long time so how so hang on let's back up how mm-hmm. were how were you in in the recovery program were you getting it or were you just doing the thing I was full in Okay. I got full in from the get-go. I got a sponsor. I started oh, that's the program. A, that's I mean, amazing. I went full in from Good. the get-go. So I don't know what the stats are, but back then, you know, the stats for meth were pretty daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, it was like 89% of anybody who ever does meth never quits. Right. You know, they either just do it their whole life, they die, meth addict, whatever. And then of that 11%, only like 2% would ever quit once and mm-hmm. not go back. Usually it's a lot of relapses. Mm-hmm. Well, I never relapsed. I mean, I once I quit, that was it. I never relapsed. But I I think it's because of how quick I got into recovery. Right. And how quick I got into the working the steps. And I mean I had a sponsor that was very, very good. I mean she was she was ahead of me by a couple of years and she was a nurse and she was kind of no nonsense. And she really, That's what we really need. pushed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was good. I mean, it, it helped me. And then, of course, once I went through the steps and had a couple of years on the, under my belt, then I started sponsoring, mm-hmm. which also is good because mm-hmm. it keeps you accountable and right. keeps you in the program sure. on track. So, I mean, I know my relationship with the Lord and recovery, the recovery programs, AA, NA, all those programs. I mean, it it just is literally what it ha- it's what saved they me. They work. I mean, it works. And that, you know, I deal with people all the time now. They're like, well, we're, meetings are not for me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't you know don't know what you. you're missing. And that's, yeah, that gets me. Um, Cause I just, I literally just drove from, from one here yeah. to come meet you today. And it's like, it's like, I just, I, I go there and it's like my soul just gorges on, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like a gluttonous thing where it just soaks in all of this energy from these people mm-hmm. that I need to just be, And even you know. the ones that are, have 30 days. Like when I go into a meeting and someone's got 30 days, I'm like, Lord, help me. Like, mm. 
please, Lord, like, let me remember. But for the grace of God. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that broken. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm so open with my story mm-hmm. is because it, it really forces me to be accountable. Like, I want people to know because the more people that know, if I were to slip, and do something, I mean, I just look at all of the people I would let down. Mm-hmm. Well, and all the people that, that would help take care of you and, and would recognize something's not right, what's yes, going on with yeah, you, yeah. you know, and staying close to your recovery community. And, you know, because it's it's the people that are like mm-hmm. us that yeah. are more apt to go, what the what's, hell's what's going, going on, with, on you? with you? Yeah, I know yeah, something's yeah. not right. Whereas other people might dance around exactly it. Right. And it's yeah. just, it's such a, it's such a beautiful. I don't know how people do it without recovery. Recovery meetings. I don't either. And it doesn't, I mean, AANA, if you want to do celebrate recovery, if you want to do recovery for life, I mean, anything that you want to do, but you've got to get into something that has a structure and has a plan. And I think that's for me. I mean, I was always a planner. And so like, give me a plan and let me work the plan. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where, where the AA and the NA meetings kind of work for me because mm-hmm. it was Okay, here's Structure, a plan. Yeah. Here's a structure. You it's a step program. You do one, two, three. But here the way I look at the steps are it is it's a way of living. It's not just about alcohol or drugs. I mean it's a good way to live if oh, you don't have an addiction. A hundred percent. Well, and Rick, my husband mm-hmm. even says, he says, this stuff ought to be taught in high school. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a great I mean, point. what do you have control over? Zero. Right, zero. Nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. And when you're wrong, admit yeah. it, you know. And, just and like holding on to resentments and things like that is so, so and, and making amends and getting those things done and off your chest. and Putting them down. Yeah, putting them down and not holding on to them. And I think that's probably... The amends process is hard for a reason, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's very vital. And I do talk to people, and they're like, well, you know, I think I can do it without meetings. And I'm always like, I don't know how. Or they want me to help them, but not, but they don't want to go to meetings. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I, well, it, it, that's, that's like, you know, baking a cake and leaving the flour out. It's like yeah. you're not going to get the same mm-hmm. results. This For 88 years, this shit has yes. worked. It, it has, it has, gazillion, and the stats are still mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as staggering. Um, you know, when I, when I um, uh, was the chairperson for the big Cinecore fundraiser mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, you know, I learned, I mean, 17% of us, go on to live a reasonably productive decent mm-hmm. life you know and and the rest of us either either you know die from the disease or want to die right. you know right. because you know and I talk about my dad you know um god rest his soul um you know was a dry drunk my entire life he quit drinking Amen. you know and being sober yeah. is not recovery Mm -mm. it's not recovery Mm -mm. being sober you know being in sobriety is wonderful and great because i'll go to my grave believing that we are all born with that god-shaped hole Mm -hmm. um you know that we we try to fill with something some some fill it with anger resentment anxiety depression um gambling sex drugs name it we try to fill that hole with Mm -hmm. something and so when you take away what was worked what was working for mm-hmm. me, you know, um, yep. which for me was alcohol and for you meth. Mm-hmm. When you take that away, it's like you're just left with a gaping hole. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what now? 
I would rather, oh man, I can't, oh golly. And that too is why I keep telling my story because I can go back there in a hypersecond oh, yeah. to that yeah. feeling, it's, and you it's, know. And it's one decision, you know, we're one decision away. And in recovery about, let's see, in 2010, so two years into recovery, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And mm. I was like, I mean, I was devastated. And it was hard because I know, I know with meth and I'm sure alcohol and everything else, you know, you really don't have any feelings. I mean, you right. mask everything. Right. You you're try happy, to suppress you them. You use, you're sad, yes. you use, you're yes. hungry, you use, you're mad, yes. you use. I mean, everything. Yep. So you don't really feel anything to its full mm-hmm. extent. Well, I felt like once I quit using, like every feeling was so strong, so amplified. I mean, I was feeling it all, anything that was going on, I felt it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess, you know, I just haven't felt in so long. So anything, so when my mom was diagnosed, even though I was two years and, and God just lined this out, you know, because I had two years under my belt. So I was solid in recovery. I'm the type of person, I realize not everybody is like this, but this is the only way it works for me. I don't drink. A lot of people say, well, drinking was never a problem. Drugs was a problem. So I can have a social drink. I'm sorry. I'm not that person. That, well, because that's not the truth. Mind-altering like, is mind-altering is mind-altering. Nothing like, drives me nuts more than someone coming into an AA room and going, well, yeah, you know, I, I don't drink. but I mean, I smoke pot, I but I don't drink. It's like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't work. And I've even had people like, will you help, will you sponsor me? And I, and, but I, is it okay if I still drink? I'm like, no, not. Like, I don't know how to do that. No. So, and the way I look at it is I know, I, w- I know several people in NA that alcohol was not their problem, that it was cocaine or meth or whatever, pills, whatever. And they felt like they could have a drink from time to time. And those people went back to using mm-hmm. what they really wanted to do. And that's my fear. Yep. You know, I, I have a few drinks. And I'm like, I don't want this. Right. I want what I really want. Right. If this is good, what's better? Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and alcohol, I mean, did I drink beforehand? Absolutely. But it was kind of a put it down. T- you know, that meth is the one that, you know. Took you to tamed. your knees. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So. To me, I don't get that. I don't understand it. And that's just been my my thing. So whenever my mom was diagnosed, I didn't really, it was weird. I didn't really have the desire to go back to using. I felt the desire to escape or numb or not hurt. But I found that in like, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. You know, so I felt like, okay, I would, I would lay down for a second and take a little bit of a nap and try just to chill, relax, try to get my head around what was going on. And she was diagnosed with a cancer called neuroendocrine carcinoma. And it's a really long, kind of a slow cancer. It's inoperable. There's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't, it doesn't even respond to chemo, which on one hand is good because they don't go through that hell. Right. But on the other hand, there's no cure. But it's slow growing. Wow. So she lived six years. But the, the really great thing about it is I was present. I mean, I was there through all of it. And if it had happened a few years prior, I would have died. No telling, right. And she would have earlier because mm-hmm. it would have just broken her. So the fact that God allowed me to me to get my feet underneath me before she's diagnosed, she gets to see me healthy and healthy, right. coming mm-hmm. back. You know, that was two years. She died in 16, so I had you know, eight years of sobriety when she died. And at that point, at my three year, around, let's see, three and a half years is when Greg and I married. So she got to see me happy, healthy, married, preacher's wife of all things. I know, isn't that funny? that's just like, I'm like, Lord, you're funny. Like, this is funny because, you know, like, I'm always saying like meth addict, 
preacher's life. Like there's a book in there. Right, <laughs> right. There's a story that needs to be told. But, um, it's crazy. It's it's just, it's it's very crazy that, that that's what happened. But my mom got to see all that and got to see me not running and de- facing problems head on and, you know, growing up and being, being a mom. And even though Carson, it, w- it was still a struggle with Carson for a long time, we were still on the road. Right. Know? She knew you were on yeah, the path. We were on the road right. And and things were better. And so, you know, I'm grateful for God in the in the timing of all that. Um, I just feel like he allowed me to do something that if it had happened several years earlier, I just wouldn't have been there for it. I couldn't have. I would have been so devastated that I just would have been deeper and deeper and deeper and right. probably taken my it, own life in the Exactly. Whole thing. Mm, so man. um but yeah, but she, you know, my mom told me one thing whenever I got pregnant with Carson, way back in the nineties, early nineties. She said after this, the tragedy is not that you're pregnant and you're not married and you're young. The tragedy, if you don't take this and do something with it, shows, you know, be better. So I didn't really hear that back then. But later on in life, you know, after I got, uh, after I was clean and sober and not using and everything, it's probably maybe a year, not even a year, because I was still not working yet at that point. And she's like, don't let your suffering go to waste. Mm. And she was like, you have suffered so much, whether it be at your hands or whatever, but you've suffered so much. And if you don't share and you don't tell people how you got through. Wow. You sure she wasn't in recovery? Right. I know. She, she never waste it. a hurt. Yep. Never she waste said, a hurt. If you, I mean, you have hope. You have the answer. You have the hope. And if you don't share that and if you don't tell, then your suffering was a waste. And why, how can you let it be a waste? Don't let your suffering go. Way to go, mom. Way to go, mom. But yeah, so that's something that I've lived by since then. I have lived by that. Like, okay, I'm not ashamed. I mean, here I am, a pastor's wife. Most everybody at that church knows my story. I've Mm -hmm. told it publicly. Mm -hmm. They know it. And, And every time I share or every time I put something on social media or anything, I'll get a call. I'll get a message like, hey, can you help me, my son or my right. husband or me or something right. like that. And I'm like, yes, I can. And, you know, I mean, that's part of recovery. Oh, 100%. That's, I mean, that's, you got to do that part. Yes. To but, finish, I mean, you're not finished. Well, and, finished. And that, well praise God. <laughs> praise God. Finished. But And it's when, you know, I, I hate to bother you, you know, know, but I'm going. And it's like, oh, my gosh, no. Mm-hmm. Because, because you don't keep it. You mm-hmm. cannot keep it unless mm-hmm. you give it away. Mm-hmm. I believe that to I my core. That. And and I just yeah to pour into someone else you know and and to to allow your your test to be your testimony mm-hmm. you know um, is yeah. just that's what it's all about yeah and I think for me it just it keeps me incredibly accountable you know it just keeps me I guess I don't know the more people that know the more people I have to let down mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so I can't and I look at that I look at that especially as Greg's wife and being a partner in ministry and. It would be devastating to our church, mm-hmm. um, his ministry. It'd be devastating, and mm-hmm. I know that. And so mm-hmm. the more things I can put in place to keep me on the right track, right. The, the better, right. I, the way I feel feel about that. And I still I still think that, you know, that God, I look, I look back at everything, and people are like, you know, don't you wish you could change things? And I'm like, yes and no. I mean, do I wish I didn't hurt people? Yes, 100%. But... I was weak mm-hmm. before all this. I was weak. I was a total doormat. I was fragile. I mean, I was so just shoulders no down. Self-confidence. No self-confidence. And going through all that, beating that kind of addiction, 
and any kind of addiction, but be in my mind, beating that kind of addiction. I mean, I'm like, what else, what could Christ not do? Mm-hmm. You know, what could I not do? I mean, I, it, I didn't get proud. Like, Oh, it was all me like puffed up proud. But I'm like, at the same time, like, man, I did a big thing. Like, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know all things are possible. Um, and I'd say, you know, I go back to the Bible. It's, all things are possible through Christ, and that's how I live. But I'm like, man, you know, I'm different now. Like, even Greg looks at me, he's like, I, how how could you be, how could you have self-confidence issues? Like, I'm sorry, I don't see that. I'm like, I'm I telling you, I mean, and, you know, my dad. They almost killed me. Yeah, my dad, my dad can vouch for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, he's so great. Like, we be, we have no, we had no clue. We didn't know what to, how to help her, how to help her see what we saw. And, and like I said, I had tons of friends. I went to a huge school, tons of friends. Didn't matter. I would say she was popular. She was this. It doesn't matter. I look back at my size eight body, which I thought was huge back then. Mm. And like, and I hated it. I was like, cause everybody else was a four Mm -hmm. or ever, you know, and I'm like, I'm an eight. That comparison. Oh my gosh. I'm an athlete, but I weighed more. And so I'm like, I can't, you know, and I remember, I mean, I remember even like a drill team kind of thing going, you weigh too much. And I'm like. And here I was like at eight ten, mm. and I weighed too much. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't really blame her, but I'm like, man, that you're an adult, like you can't, you got to be careful what you say to you, right? Because they listen. Yeah, yeah. And I did, and it hurt, and it did, it hurt me. But I'm, but all that to say, the drugs were my choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I made a decision. I made a foolish decision. My decision was, you know, six weeks, I'm done. Just get a little jump start, lose about fifteen pounds, and I'll feel good. I feel good. And then, I, I mean, I was done. I was hooked 100%. And um, and I, it's a miracle that I that I quit. It's just a miracle. Well, and the things that, you know, I, I love how you put that because that, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take a single day of, of my nightmare back. I just I just wouldn't because I wouldn't be sitting there talking to you. We, we you know, yeah. the, the number of people that you've already mm-hmm. said that have reached out to you mm-hmm. that I mean, God will use all things yeah. for the good. Yeah all things for the good, you know, and it's, it's not, this is part of my story and it's not up to me who, who, yeah. who, who you, I just believe that, that, you know, yes, I made choices. Yes, you made choices, sure. but, but God's like, okay, I can use this to, to save some mm-hmm. of my other kids with, mm-hmm. you know, that are, that are going to go down it's that same be path. Willing, and that's why I love what you're doing here and, and how open you are as well, because, it's not, I mean, sometimes people look at drug addicts and alcoholics and things like that. Or they're the, you know, the bums on the street. Right. The people. Paper no, bag. Mm-hmm. No, these are working people. These are corporate people. These are people that have mm-hmm. own businesses and people that have, I mean, we're, it's, it, it doesn't discriminate. Right. <laughs> it does not discriminate. Right. Like, you know, you, just because you were raised great. I mean, I really honestly look back in my life. I don't know that I could have had a better childhood. Wow. I don't know that I could have had better parents. Wonderful people. And, you know, just just because you were given everything or, and I, and I don't even think I was given everything. I just, I was given everything I needed in here, mm-hmm. but I just, I mean, it's almost like Satan had a hold and he was like, no, you know, right. you're, you're sorry. You're the, you're not going to make anything. You're a loser. You're not, you know, you're not pretty, you're fat, you're this, you're that. I mean, it just was constantly to where I just believed all this stuff. Mm. I just always believed it. And then unfortunately I got in a marriage where he, he confirmed it, confirmed that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, bless his heart. You know, he had his own issues. Mm-hmm. So that wow. is what it is on that. But but I know that 
for me, um, I wouldn't change it. I mean, I wouldn't change it. I learned a lot. I, the, I think the things that I say is I know my addiction and everything I went through and the, and the lifestyle I began to live really, really, really hurt my son. And that I would love to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I would love to change because there are times, I mean, he is better now, but he has struggled a long time. And a lot of it is his choices. He's now 32. But a lot of it is as a result of a lot of things that he went through as a child because of me. But you know what? Even those kids, because I have I have three mm-hmm. bio, bio kids that, that live through, you know, mm-hmm. my my stuff with me. And it's like even they now can make a choice to use sure. that for the Absolutely. good because, there, you know, there are so many, you know, and kids. And as an excuse. Yes. I mean, well, a as a victim. Did. Right. Yeah. As a victim. And it's like, okay, look around. And there's so many other mm-hmm. either adult children. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. I'm an at, you know, I, I'm an adult child of, sure. of an alcoholic. Um, you know, so many others, even even the, t- you know, teenagers that that, that he could reach yeah. that, that mm-hmm. go when, you know, there's such magic. And I hate using the word magic because I, I, I know right. I know better. Right. But there is there is something magical about someone looking you in your eyes and saying, I know exactly how you mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. I know how that feels. Mm-hmm. Let me tell yep. you what I did, yep. you know, or, or let me tell you some truth, right? Sure. That's not your fault. And they're sick. You have to look, pa- you know, yeah. the, the, the value that he could bring. Yeah. You know. And I think so. And I think the older he gets and the more he's gotten his self on the right track, mm-hmm. the more he can, ha- he can see those things. You know, my prayer is that he just stays that way. You know, that he says, and we have a good relationship now. We talk a lot. He lives in Dallas and we talk and stuff like that. But and it's hard when things go wrong for him or things like that. My first, my first thought always is, I did this. Mm. I did this. And my husband's like, babe, no, I mean, you're 15 years down the road. Mm-hmm. It's half of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at some point it's his choices. Right. And, and, and I think he knows that too. I don't think he's at a point of blaming anymore. I mean, in fact, I know he's not. Yeah. He's not at that point. Um, but, you know, I, I get to that point. Like, I'm like, oh, that was me. That was me. He had a terrible, you know, I look back at all the things I did and didn't do and the people I allowed in my home that really, you know, in some cases victimized my mm-hmm. own son, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, I, and here I had this great childhood and, you know, my parents would have never allowed anything like that to happen to me. And I just, the drugs took me to a place where, I was apathetic or right. I didn't want to know or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough. But I, I wrestle with that. To me, that's where that's where the devil can get me. He makes me start to thinking about, you know. You Could have, would have, should have. And that. right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I have to get out of that space a lot. Well, and and, and another reason staying close to your sure. community to, oh, yeah. to, because at least in for, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, you know, a, a, a little over 11 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even, even very recently, a couple of days ago, I'm calling my, my sponsor and mm-hmm. going, here's what I'm thinking. Am I crazy? And she's like, yep, yep you are, you mm-hmm. are yep. put that down. It's not yours yep. to carry, put yep. it down yep. and go help somebody. And yep. it's like, okay, that's right. I and forgot. Like, once you do that, once you're like, okay. And you kind of get out of your own head and you're like, how can I serve? How can I help? Yes. And sometimes it's not even helping somebody in recovery. It's just like getting out of your head and doing something for someone else, right. whatever that is. Right. And, and I think for me, you know, I just got back from church camp with youth kids and 
I was reminded why I'm 52. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so hard. It was so hot. And oh. all the time. But I'm like, you know what? It's serving and it feels mm-hmm. good. It feels good to love on other kids. And, right. And most of the kids that go with us to camp have great lives. And some of them don't have as great of life. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of struggles at home. And so it's like, you know, just being able to be there and, and be, be solid. Present. And I'm open with the kids. They know my story. Mm. They know every bit of my story. And I, t- I tell our youth kids what I've been through because I want them, if it comes up, I want I want to be a call. Right. I want somebody to call I want me. to be a source. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that I can help them. And because some of them deal with it with their own parents. And some deal with it. I mean, these days they're dealing with it in seventh grade at school with kids. It's, it's a scary thing. And it's not even just with that. It's just all kinds of pressures that those kids have. Right. That, that we didn't have that kind of pressure. I mean, we had pressures, yes. But as, I mean, they're just growing up so fast. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, our phones and, right. you know, everything that, you know, I look back and I'm like, gosh, I'm really glad we didn't have that kind of stuff when I was growing up. Like, everything on the internet, everything out oh there. Oh, my gosh. Know, like, no I'm evidence. Yeah. yeah. But these kids are, 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 are dealing with that and then some. And there's it seems like the bullying is stronger than it's ever been and lots of things like that. So I'm open. Well, and it started so, you know, it from what I heard you say, Casey, I mean, it started so much with within self, mm-hmm. your self-esteem, your self-worth, you know, I yeah. mean... If if you can if if we can can get to kids which which again who knows what it what it would have taken you know I, I just I, I you know I, and I know your faith I mean nothing happens in God's world sure. by accident sure. nothing you know um, and so you know could something have changed the trajectory of you know who knows but but knows? you know being as open as you are with those mm-hmm. kids so that they can see that they can be their yeah. fallible selves with yeah. you as and well that's, and that's what I want and that's why I like working with kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, like I said, I don't know what would have changed for me. I mean, I think my parents really did everything. I was involved in church, you know, all the things. It just was, it was a bad self-confidence issue that just plagued me, honestly. For well, it sounds, I'll tell you what, they, whoever was coaching them or, I, well, I think good. it was, yeah, yeah, Holy Spirit or what, but they just textbooked, they I did. mean, handled you with they it. Did. That is beautiful. They got some help from, um, from, Friends, there wouldn't be any friends that had gone before them in this, but there was a couple. But then they also got help from like Al-Anon and how to help. And they they talked to, you know, counselors and pastors and like, what do we do? We do? And they did. They they held the line. And as much as they love me, I really believe that they would have pushed me out if mm-hmm. I, if I, I think they would have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where, I think things change sometimes around here. I think parenting to an extent has become softer. Right. And so oh, 100%. kids feel yeah. like they can... You know, you say that, but are you really going to do it? Mm-hmm. And I really believe that they would have done it. I really do. And I, I think it would have killed them both, but they would have done it. Right. Um, and and at that point, I was tired. I mean, I was I was ready. You were tired of your own yeah, self. Yeah, I was ready. I was ready for something different. And, you know, I got a job. Um, I didn't work. You know, I worked with my mom. She, she worked at this little gift store, you know, from time to time. And I would go in with her during that first year. And I got a job on my one-year clean date. One year, and it was another fundraising job back into my field. But the interesting thing was, so October before I got clean in January, I stole a bracelet from um, J.C. Penney's, and I got arrested. And I got arrested less for the bracelet, but more for warrants. I had you know check bounce checks, oh dear, paid tickets, yeah, just the wreckage, Mm -hmm. the wreckage that's back there. Yep. Um, and so I got arrested. But the interesting thing was the bracelet I still had the serenity prayer on it. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. So God was sending you little nods going, Hello, hello. The funny thing is my mom 
actually went back up there and bought that bracelet and kept it for me for a while. And then she gave it to me later. But, but I stole the bracelet with the serenity prayer. That's crazy. And that was October. And I remember being in jail because my parents were out of town. So there wasn't anybody coming to get me. And I remember, I remember they called. I don't know how. I think I gave them my Carson's number, which I don't know why I would have. But I'm sitting there in the back room at JCPenney's with, you know, the security and all that. And I guess I, I don't know if, I guess I gave them Carson's number, which I don't know why I would have done that. But there he is out there asking, please, like, please don't. And there, I mean, and I can hear him out there and I'm like, why did I do that? But anyway, so, I mean, he just went through a ton. He was at work. He was working at Texas Roadhouse. He left to come see what was going on. Mm. Anyway, went back to work. But the uh, crazy thing is I had meth not on me. It was in my car. So I didn't get it. I got arrested for the theft. But it was an under, it was a small misdemeanor theft. But a year, so that was on my record. <coughs> it got dismissed. I did some things, some, you know. Community, community service services. or whatever, so yeah. It got, it got dismissed, but. So when I was applying for this job, it was at a university, and it was a fundraising position. And um, they did the background check, and the application said, do you have any felonies, which I did not. But they did the background check, and it came up with a misdemeanor theft on it. And so they called me. They're like, the vice president of the university called over my area, and he was like, so this came up on your background check. And I just kind of need to know a little bit about what this is about. And, and you were a year sober. Yes, I was almost. I hadn't quite hit my one year. So I was like, all right, this is where you just lay it out. So, I mean, I laid it all out. I said, this is where I am. This is where I'm in my recovery. I was a meth addict. I this. I mean, here I'm telling them all these stuff, and I'm thinking. I'm done. I'm done. Yep. But mm -hmm. I'm telling them anyway. I'm like, well, this is your first chance to be honest. There you go. So I'm like, this is what I do. I, you know, I, I stole this bracelet, and I told them I had the serenity prayer. I said, I'm in recovery. I go to meetings you know, multiple times a day. I'm very, you know, down the road, blah, 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 all the things. And um, he was like, okay. He goes, well, you know, we'll give you a shout back. And I was like, okay. You know, but then he called back the, a couple of days later. He's like, we're going to, we're going to take a chance. I was like, what? Wow. So my first day to start was my one year clean date. Mm -mm. And even now, every time that rolls around, I get a text from him or and I haven't worked there in years or, or he'll text me or I'll text him like, you know, because that job is what started giving me confidence. About right. Too. You know, I started getting back in that field. And then I eventually I left the fundraising field and got into financial planning. which My dad had a business for years. And so I've been doing that for a long time now. But that job really was kind of a catalyst for my confidence and, you know, being, yeah, and just mm -hmm. being. And he took a risk. He did not have to do that. And honestly, I'm a fundraiser, and I got a theft, and you're going to hire me? Like, it's, like, crazy when wow. you think about it. But it was God. I think it was totally God saying, you know, and he was a believer. So I feel like, you know, he just, he took that risk and did it. Well, and I, I got to tell you, I think souls recognize other souls when they're telling them the truth. Yeah. Just the truth. Yeah, because no it's, denying, it's so no, rare. It's so yeah. rare that people, you know, at least the people that I know that are in recovery that mm -hmm. do the deal, they walk around with their guts hanging out. They just do. And it's like, these are my guts. Um, yeah. Take me, leave yeah. me. I don't, you know, not but, pretty, but I'm not trying is. to hide yeah. them. I'm mm -hmm. not trying to put makeup on them. I'm not trying to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, make you think you're not seeing what you see. I'm, right. It's just here it is, you yeah. know, and it's just so it's so um, I don't know, just con the connection yeah. that you make with people when you're mm -hmm. just your authentic mm -hmm. self is and, just know, for beautiful him, for him to take that risk and and do it. I just. I was just so always so grateful. We're so grateful. In fact, and I worked for them, him until 
until Greg and I got married and I moved down here. And then I worked remotely for a little bit um, here. So, I mean, just great people. Just and, it, and it's just like, man, you did not have to do that. And the fact that he did was amazing because it, it gave me a real boost. It gave me mm. a real confidence boost and just kind of realized, like, like I can't get my life back. Like, mm-hmm. this is, uh, and there's some, and I don't remember where it is in the big book. It's back in the stories at the back and the individual stories. And um, it talks about this, this guy talks about, I've you know, I've got a life that I never would have had before. Right. I mean, it's given me so much back, mm-hmm. so much back than that. This program has given me so much more, and I'm living a life I would have never lived before. It's this. not just a matter of stopping yeah. the the act mm-hmm. of using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, then you then you become a dry drunk, right? Or that's if you don't, yeah. If you don't get mm-hmm. to it. And you know, using alcohol, everything it's it's the, it's a surface problem, like the root, it's a symptom. You got to get the, to the root. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the presenting problem, mm-hmm. and and that's what people you know that end up just stopping drinking, but they don't really get to the brute of it. Right. And they have all the same characteristics and flaws and, I mean, defects of character and everything like that that they had that them into it. Well, and then they're they're compounded because Mm -hmm. there's nothing to take take that away. Right. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. We've got several people I know at church and things like that that are really trying, but it's like, and, you know, they're like, well, I messed up again. I'm like, well, have you gone to me? No, it's just not for me. I'm like, I don't know how to help you. I don't right. Know you. Well, and like, that's just, the, that's the point. disease. Well, there's nothing to do. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the disease. And, and that's where, you know, at least over the past 11 years, I can, I can see that gift of desperation that, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of convinced that it has to happen. It has to be there for recovery mm-hmm. to to yeah, start. There has to be, has to be yeah. you have to be sick and tired of your yeah. own self. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I love how you put that. But yeah, the 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 drink, the drug, all of that. Those are just yeah, symptoms just of a much problem. deeper yeah. thing. Yeah. You know that, and that's that's hard for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah, if you don't find that what that, then it'll be something else. Right. You know, it may not be, and it's gonna be bad yeah and it may not be a substance it could manifest itself in all kinds of other Mm -hmm. things and anger and pride and all the things that can get in your way and you know it just I don't know I it I don't I'm not trying to be a snob about recovery but at the same time it's like I I can't meet with you regularly right and do all this kind of stuff if you're not in recovery it's it's only thing I know Mm -hmm. it's what worked for me and I can't help you with something that didn't work for me. Well, and not only that it's that not me. only that it's uh, well, it worked for me. So it, it it's like I I'm witness to yes. so many other yes. people yeah. that have a productive, meaningful, joyful mm-hmm. life because of yeah. working a pro- the program yeah, of recovery. I know one person, one person that she was a really it was more like crack, um, bad bad addict. And um, she's she's successful now. She's a teacher, art teacher. And she probably on occasion drinks wine. And we talk about it. We talked about it. And I was like, eh, it's risky. It's, it's putting your toe in. And she's never had a problem. She doesn't really keep it in her house. She goes to, like, with her girlfriends. They may go to a winery and she has a drink or whatever. And I, I, get, I worry so much about that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, hey, if that works for you and you can handle it, you know, I can't be, I'm not your conscience. Like, mm-hmm. you have to do that. Uh, but to me, it's so risky. It's just so risky. And so I just decided from get-go, I don't drink. Do I mind going to dinner with people and they have a drink? Not at not all. Not at all. Not okay. at all. I've always told Greg, if I ever am in a position where I'm like, I'm ready to go, 
you got to know we got to go. And he's like, 100%, mm-hmm. we'll do that. Mm-hmm. And there's been a time or two we've been somewhere with a bunch of people or concert or something. I'm like, this is, this is a little much for me. Right, know? right. And we'll, and we'll take off. You know, we'll go. No big deal. And that's how Greg is. Greg's like, no, you know. I mean, even Greg, like, every once in a while, he may have a beer or something, but we don't. You know, we don't keep anything in the house. We don't right. nothing like that. Nothing. Like, and if we if we're on a cruise and he wants to have a beer, I'm great with that because he didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But if I were to ever say I don't want you to ever drink again, he'd be like, done. You're yeah, done. that's beautiful. And so I'm fine with that. And but I also know that I can always say, hey, this is enough, or I want to leave. I don't like this place. And he and helps he take care go. of you, right? Yeah, because I mean, he I'm his priority as well, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want. Anything like that. He's wanting me to lose all that I've worked for. Right. And and all that we have. And and everything I have now I know is obviously a gift of God, but it's also from a lot of dedication to keeping my life on the right track. And do I miss the mark some with life? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I miss the mark. I just don't drink or do drugs anymore. Right. But I get in my head sometimes and do stupid stuff. Sure. And, I mean, we all do that. Mm-hmm. But I know how to quickly... Get that turned back around. Well, and you know? clean it up if it's affected someone else. Yeah, and for sure. yeah, live yeah. live a life of 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 peace. But but yeah, I yeah. If 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 we're doing the deal, we should be pretty much mm-hmm. anywhere that that there's because again, alcohol it, it, at least alcohol for, for me was not my problem. Mm-hmm. I was my problem. Sure. But I I totally get what you mm-hmm. what you're saying, especially if someone gets a little sloppy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, like oh, okay, this is it. not. Yeah, not I'm seeing. And the truth be yeah, known, yeah, I'm yeah, seeing yeah. my self yeah. in that and I'm like yeah. oh that's ugly I don't want to see that anymore see that. so let's just of, yeah, yeah let's just leave and I think that's just another way of keeping myself protected mm-hmm. you know that's why I don't we don't have alcohol in the house we don't you know we just don't do those things we, mm-hmm. you know it's like I, I just need to keep myself kind of like when I very first started when I in, in my first year of, of being clean you know when I finally got a bank account it had my dad's name on and my name on here I'm in my you know 38 years old and I've got a bank account with my dad that I'm not even a signer on mm-hmm. I mean he's like we're going to we are doing we are baby steps I mean baby steps yep yep and so you got to learn I how to live that. Mm-hmm. I appreciated all that and I think that I've constantly kept those kind of stop gaps in my life to keep me keep me on the right track well, and for me too, I don't have I don't have alcohol in my house. I, I can't yeah. I can't allow it in my house. Mm-hmm. I have to have one place on this earth that is solely You're mine, and I'm safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm safe. I not that I think about alcohol. I don't think about alcohol. Yeah, but, but but it would take one tragedy or one you know horrible thing, and if it's right there, I just I, why why would you even take that chance? Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I, where I that's how I think. I'm like uh, I don't. Ever, I don't even have a desire to drink or use or anything, but you know, people are like, Well, can you have a champagne toast at New Year's Eve? I was like, No, I can't. Why would I take the yeah. chance to activate that disease never, again? Never, 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 never. And, and could I realistically? Maybe, but what if I couldn't? Right. That's kind of what I think. You know that he'll play the tape all the way through. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, but what if I could? Well, and and the big thing to realize too for for those that are listening, you know this this disease, there is no cure, right? Right. There is yeah. no cure, and you know they it, it, there's a saying, you know, in the in the rooms of recovery, you know, my disease is out in the parking lot doing pushups. Yeah, you know, yeah, wait, waiting for, for waiting for me, <laughs> waiting for me, and and that's all it's going to take is for me to to walk out in a weak state, not to having done the the deal talk to my sponsor go to mm-hmm. meetings and all of that it's going it's out there waiting for me 
it's out there mm-hmm. waiting for me and it's good, you know, and, and so, the yeah, mm-hmm. so I have to keep taking the medicine, if you yeah. will, which is the, the doing the program, mm-hmm. all the aspects of the program mm-hmm. as it was, yeah. as it was presented 88 years ago, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and, and I get to, I get to live mm-hmm. a peaceful life that, that I don't, I don't have anyone I need to say I'm sorry to right, right now. And, you and know, when we do, we take care of it. <laughs> right. Immediately. Yeah, right. We take care of it. And I think that's something that's been, and did I lose people through this that, that never really came back after? Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, I hurt people. Mm-hmm. So there are some that's like, okay, you can give me your amends, but peace out. I'm done. You know? Right. And I'm like, okay. And that's okay too. That's I okay. understand. I mean, I had one that wouldn't even let me do amends. Oh, wow. And so my sponsor's like, well, write it, mail it, return to sender. That's I, mean, all you I got can. it back. Yep. So it's like, okay, well, you know, that I've done what I can do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, the whole keep your side of the street. Like, I right. can only do what I do can do. Do so much. But for the most part, that whole process was such a healing process and very humbling. Well, and that was something, again, you know, I keep saying you can put down. How, how many of us, you know, look up and all of a sudden we're holding all these mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that don't belong to us. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing that my kid's going through, this thing yeah. at work, I have this deal that went through. The husband's upset, so I'm carrying his yeah, shit. Carrying you know, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, no wonder I'm tired. Mm-hmm. No wonder mm-hmm. I'm weak. So put down the bag. And that's you, what Grace I was like, put a you're down. carrying bags that are not yours. Yes. And I'm like, I know, I know. But I'm a fixer too. So I think part of it is that like, you know, even at church, like stuff that's going on in church, like Grace, like, babe, that is not your area. Mm-hmm. Like, let that go. That's not your area. You know, and if something's not going right, you know, I'm a, I, I'm all like, I'm, I'm into everything. And he's like, if this event isn't going right or it's not how you would do it, so what? well, we internalize so it. What? We yeah. internalize yeah. it because I'm finding my value in yes. this, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is not yeah. the truth. I remember one time we had an event at church, and it was so silly. It was like, well, the the table, like where people walk in, needs to be blah. And it wasn't my event. I wasn't planning it, and I'm like, and Greg's like, babe, like, and and I was getting so worked up about the table and about this and about that. And finally, he came over to me. He goes, "We're leaving in five minutes. If you don't take it down," I was like. Oh. That is so rude. But thank but, you. But yeah, thank you. But so I'm going to yell at you later about like, that. Yeah, but thank but you. Because so I'm like, is, does anyone else know that right. this stuff is uh, majoring in the minors out, out of whack? No. And was the event fine? Yes. But in my head, I'm like, no, this isn't. This this is, no, it can't go like this. I know they need to be doing this. Does someone need to let people? Who's doing the? Inf- what are they going to you know, think? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Greg's like, babe, we mm-hmm. are out of here in two minutes. Like, ugh. Okay that bad huh? but so i mean so my myself kind of my self kind of comes back in i think i went for so many years not controlling anything that sometimes i'm like hyper control yeah. yep mm-hmm. yeah i'm always mm-hmm. about the outcome what do people think what do, which is never think? good for anybody oh, no. around us no, gosh, no. No, <laughs> i get it i get it it's kind of the opposite of like i don't i mean He's a pastor, and but he's also like, I don't care what people think. Like, God's called me to do this. Mm-hmm. If I say something that steps on toes, I promise you I'm stepping on my own. So there's not, you know, somebody gets mad, they get mad. Like, right. I can't, and I'm like, let me let me explain what he meant by that. Like, please don't right. be mad. You know, and he's like, no, you cannot do that. Like, you cannot chase that down. Get in your lane, sister. Yeah, know, get in your lane. I, I often get out of my lane, so. I do too. And that's what I'm saying. We're still flawed. We still have work to do. We still have stuff. But the program in and of itself is a way of life. It's right. a way of living in your, and even though you may not be dealing with a substance, you may not be dealing with alcohol, you're dealing with life. Yep. And it's going to keep on doing yes. the lifey things yeah, in it. It, is. it so sure does. That you can, 
work. And that's why my mom, she had the 12 steps posted like on her little desk there because, and she was an addict. Oh, I love it. But she's like, it's a way of life. It's a way of living. It's a way of living. It's a way of clearing your mind at the end of the day, knowing you did everything you need to do, making sure those amends were made, making sure you lay your head down, making sure you know where you're serving, you know, making sure all these things are happening because all those things is a package deal. You cannot do one through nine, do your amends right. and be done. Right. you got to continue. With well, and the 12. beautiful thing is, is you, is you take those steps all the way up to 12 and you slide down the banister and at least for me daily, I like, start oh, back wow, at I'm one. I have four. no, pa- well, <laughs> well, or one, yeah. I, you know, what do yeah. I I have power. I'm yeah. powerless. I'm powerless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is such beauty in being powerless. Mm-hmm. You know, because I if, if I don't have to if I don't have to carry it around, yeah. I don't have to, you know, it, there's just such peace in that. For because sure. I I'm constantly picking up things that don't belong don't to belong. me. Yep. You know, yeah. and it's And I still do that too. I mean, we're human, we're sinful. We mm-hmm. you know, we we've got we've I've got Issues that I deal with on a regular basis, but, you know, I know how to deal with them. Right. Um, and I know that, you know, in, like like I said, like through Christ and through prayer. And, you know, I remember praying for the first time after I was clean. I was like, why was I so scared to pray? But it was, I was so ashamed. Oh, sure. And so now it's like, man, that's my lifeline. Mm-hmm. Like, I find myself down the driving down the road praying, going to sleep praying. Yep. And not just, and a lot of times my prayers are for other people, but a lot of times they're for me. Mm-hmm. And what I've got going on, I mm-hmm. mean, just because you don't drink or don't do drugs anymore, it doesn't mean your life is sure. great. Oh, gosh. We still have things we deal with. Right. I still have to think of the reasons why I got there. Mm-hmm. And just because I appear very self-confident now, there are times I have I have some confidence issues, you know, that creep back up at the back sure. of my brain. And i got to figure out how to deal with that. Mm. You know, we're we're because that's dangerous territory. That's dangerous territory. And I and I do. And I lucky for me, so blessed to have a husband that can see that and he can, you know, he can really pull pull me back. Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, that, remind you yeah, where your power not, comes that, from. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Not, those those thoughts are that's not that's not real. Like that's not that's not how this is. Like. Pull it back together. You know? We are blessed. I was telling, I, w- I did a podcast, a, a friend's podcast yesterday. I sat right there, as a matter of fact. And, um, and I was talking about how Rick, you know, he, he we are very blessed to have the, the strong men in our lives. Yes. But he, th- early on, he had met a lady that attends my home group. Her name mm-hmm. is Anna. And and so there, on very rare occasions, because I still get to, I go to t- at least two yeah. meetings a week. Yeah. I talk yeah. to my sponsor every single week. Um, but but there will be times where life has gotten, you know, into in, in hyper mode. And I've, I've missed, you know, about yeah, a week or so. Sure. But Rick will, Rick will come in my my office and he'll just be dinking with something you know and and he'll go how's anna and it usually usually i'm i'm spinning you know in in you know in my own world and i'm like oh i i guess she's okay i don't know but you know and get, get out but it's a, it's a reminder i don't know how anna is yeah, and if i don't know how anna is i can tell you damn well how yeah, i am yeah. i'm spinning out of control and i yeah. better get down to you that meeting and find out how anna is yeah you know yeah, what i mean good. but but instead of but going boy you need a meeting which i would claws eyes out yeah yeah, yeah, easy. Yeah. So a gentle way of just going. You need to reconnect with yeah. your people because yeah. he knows he's not it. Sure. You know. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, Greg's still 
doesn't really understand addiction. I mean, he's never had a problem that didn't have it in his family. Weird. Yeah, never. I know, it's like, he's weird. But no, it doesn't, ha- doesn't have it. And I mean, I know he's grown a lot because his point was always like, it's killing you, so stop. Yeah. Well, like, that's that's a good okay. thought. That that yep. sounds good. That's reasonable on paper, but that mm-hmm. doesn't happen that way. And and so he had not a lot of um, references, sympathy, yeah. really, mm-hmm. for people in addiction before mm. before me. Wow. You've given him an education. Three, huh? Yeah, yeah. I already had three years clean. I mean, I I was like, hey, these are open meetings. Let's go. You know, wanted to come come to these meetings with me because he had no. I, I mean, he'd come out of there being like huge like oh my gosh like yeah if it were that easy babe i mean it's not that easy but his thing is it's hurting you so stop Mm -hmm. you know because Mm -hmm. he didn't have an addictive personality right and if something's you know he used to chew for a long time he's like this is jacking with me my teeth i'm gonna stop and he stopped Okay, good for you. Well, you I'm know what? <laughs> one of the things I've I I learned, and and I I I knew it, but I didn't know I knew it. No, knew I knew it. Yeah. Um, until a sponsee recently got got married and to a normal, mm-hmm. a normie, normie, you know. And and what I explained to him is, I said, "You have to come into our world. Mm-hmm. We can't live in your world. Mm-hmm. So just know, as long as you know that." Yeah. You have to come into our world, and 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 he's like, I'm totally willing, and I'm like, yeah, good, you good. got my blessing, yeah, because we can't survive in your That's world, exactly right. you know, and so and true. Rick is so grateful to be in our world, oh, yeah, yeah, he loves it. I mean, he's Greg's constantly like. He want, I mean, he, Greg's big thing in life is tell your story. Mm-hmm. He's big on tell your tell truth, your story, tell your yep. story, tell your story, because people need to know, people need hope, they need to know. I mean, you may be a month further down the road than somebody, but then that gives them hope that, right. that you're there. So whatever it is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to tell your story. Mm. And and the way I look at it, and we, I was talking to the kids about that, you know, that this, or I don't know if it was this week or anyway, but like, it's your story. Mm-hmm. You're not going to mess it up. It's Own it. Own it. So tell it, you know, help somebody. You, these kids, they, I promise you, they've gone through a lot of, other things that earlier in life than we did. Right. So let's talk about it. Let's tell your story. Let's help your friend. Let's do that. And I think that's kind of the Greg's big push at church is like, you know, tell who is Jesus to you? Mm-hmm. What has he done? Mm-hmm. You know, that song, let me tell you about my Jesus. Right. What is Je- you know, we say my Jesus because Jesus is different. Jesus is the same, but he's different to me than he might right. be you or someone else. Like we The same way if you have three kids, you don't have sure. the exact same, yeah, relationship the same relationship with relationship. each and every one of them. So, so tell your story. Don't be ashamed. And and because all we need in this world, people need hope. This world is pretty hopeless mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So people need hope. So let's, where do we get hope? Where do we get hope? Right. So let's share it. We got to keep shining yeah, the light into that darkness. And know that there's, there's, it's, it's possible. And we have to keep being the ones that are so comfortable with our darkness. We're willing mm-hmm. to go into someone else's darkness and help them find into, the way. Um, into groups and being like, you have 11 years, you have yep. 15 years. What? Mm-hmm. Like never, no way. Why are you still here? Yeah, yeah, why are you still mm-hmm. here? And I'll never, I, I remember thinking that. Uh, You're I, clearly never. not getting the program. Yeah, <laughs> you know, never. if you have to keep. Oh. Well, I get there. Mm-mm. That's too far away. Mm-hmm. But I mean, getting every little, every little milestone. Yes. And just thinking, man, I just, I mean, before you know it, you know, you're at five years, 10 years. And mm-hmm. It's like, and, and, and people say, well, do you miss, you know, when you get together with girlfriends and they have wine, do you miss it? No, no, 
Absolutely not. Not at all. I absolutely love ginger ale. I, if they go to a thing, I usually get ginger ale. I love it. And mm-hmm. drinking, I, sometimes I'll get fancy and have them throw a lime in it. There maybe you I'll, go. Maybe hey. I'll get a Virgin Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> get really crazy. If it's all, well, that's right. Wild and crazy. Well, yeah. I am so grateful to you coming and telling well, your story. You and me. and I love um I love that you're a warrior for recovery. Of course. We we've got to keep shining the light yep. on on the darkness. Yep. So anyway, that is our time. Awesome. Thank you so much again to Erica McDonald Photography for sponsoring this episode. I'm so grateful to you. I love you, Erica. Um, Thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.